Freedom HealthWorks is the direct primary care accelerator. We help doctors across the country start fresh in direct primary care. With Freedom HealthWorks, you work with a team, not a checklist. Visit FreedomHealthWorks.com and together we can achieve true freedom in direct care. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Healthcare Americana. I am your host, Christopher Havig, CEO and co-founder of Freedom HealthWorks. We get asked a lot here at Freedom HealthWorks and Healthcare Americana what physicians who are looking at the direct care model should do about a particular government program that is kind of the end-all be-all in most people's minds, and that's Medicare. Unfortunately, a lot of people think that Medicare is the gold standard of health insurance policies, and it really isn't. And asked a good friend of ours at Freedom Health Works, we helped launch his business, his DPC practice called Deploy Health up in Minneapolis, Dr. Isaac Ingham, to join us today because he did some really interesting things through the Medicare lens. And why opting out completely was best for him and what he's been able to do for that and how that's really freed him up as a physician to take care of really anybody within his community. So here's a special guest for everybody out there. Dr. Ingham, thanks for joining us here on Healthcare Americana. Morning, Chris, and happy Black Friday to you. Happy Black Friday. Now, this episode is not going to air for uh, another few days, so we'll have uh, time to work off that turkey hangover, or in your case, a, uh, a fried chicken hangover. So, get <laughs> and maybe shopping. I know you've been you've been hitting your refresh on the browser since uh, what'd you say, three a.m. this morning? That's right. <laughs> Got to get those deals. <laughs> Got to get all the deals. Nobody's paying retail for anything these days. So I wanted to have you on here, um, kind of talk about your experiences through your startup, because you launched your DPC practice back in July of 2020, which as a crazy year as it is, it's, it's been a good year. We were just chatting about that a little bit offline for business and, and personal aspects there. So give us uh, kind of your background of how you found direct care and then what you were really wanting to do, because if people remember correctly, back in the summer, Minneapolis was kind of the epicenter of a lot of um, civil unrest and a lot of protests, good and bad. You know, there's some destruction of the city and, and a lot of people that you found a way to help out. So I'd love to hear your story and, and how you got started and why you did it. Sure. And to really understand how I responded this summer, you have to realize that back before I was even a physician, I was inspired in college, I lived out in the Bay Area and Santa Cruz, and I was inspired by some of the unsheltered homeless communities in that area and just uh, realizing that there was a, a need for primary care in the nonprofit sector. And that really pushed me into medicine more than anything else was having those experiences and so I was very bright-eyed and hopeful, and, and I didn't really realize all of the politics of medicine at the time. But eventually, after spending medical school and then residency and, and then training uh, in and out of the military and, and getting out in the civilian world, um, I realized that there are a lot of restrictions in medicine, and those restrictions were why doctors don't typically respond to medical crisis. And so this summer, there was significant unrest, as you know, and you saw on the news, and we had entire communities displaced, some of them that were finding themselves unsheltered and homeless, 
at one time, I think there were something like 800 people in a single park. And it was just awful to see uh, because clinics had shut down, uh, especially in South Minneapolis, which is uh, where Cup Foods and the George Floyd incident happened. Pharmacies were shut down. And for many people, they didn't have even transportation to drive around and, and to find other places for healthcare. And so there's this huge desert of medicine and, and there was nobody to respond. My family, we were already transitioning out of fee-for-service type of medicine. We were already transitioning to direct primary care and using Freedom Health Works. And so we, were, we were already had the ball rolling for the different model when the, the streets were literally on fire and we saw these, these folks. And so that was when you know, I kind of reached back out to Chris and the team and I just said, hey, I see all these folks here. It's, it's pretty clear that they need some help. Can you speed some things up here and help me legally to take care of them? And, and I, you know, I didn't really understand what all that meant. Um, I didn't understand what all the politics were. I just saw the need and I wanted to respond, but I didn't know how to respond. And that was the first time that I truly learned about all of the restrictions because your first advice to me from, from the, the freedom team was, Isaac, you can't be delivering care to, to these folks until you get straight with, with uh, CMS and with Medicare. And I don't know if you recall that conversation, Chris, mm-hmm. but that, that really, really... It tumbled my it tumbled my entire trajectory um, because I I I needed to learn quickly how not to go to jail for providing medical care down to folks in the street, <laughs> and then that really really started the conversation for me and 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 I realized that if if my family was going to respond and if we were going to set up medical services down in the streets because we bought a small canopy tent and went down and started seeing folks for free. Uh, I was the only physician doing it legally, mm-hmm. uh, but we realized we had to do it in a smart way and, and really not be breaking the law uh, by providing those services. I do remember that conversation because that was really one of the reasons why you were so enticed by direct care was because you could provide pro bono care now. And so once we got a little bit more in the weeds and you wanted to go on an accelerated launch trajectory, that's when we said, all right, we need to prioritize this because you would be committing Medicare fraud if you went down and took care of somebody and charged them less than what Medicare reimburses. And I remember your reaction and the look on your face. It, it, it kind of to borrow a term that I think gets overused, it blew your mind. And you're thinking, wait a minute, this, <laughs> yeah. this is ridiculous. I'm a physician. I'm trying to uphold my Hippocratic oath here and take care of those who need my services and expertise the most. And you're telling me that our benevolent federal government will not allow me to do that or else my office could get raided and I could get fined and even risk potential jail time. This doesn't make any sense. I remember that conversation. It was awful. It was really, it was, that was a, a tough pill for me to swallow. Yeah. And so what do you, what do you say to physicians who, who look at what you did and say, well, Dr. Engel, wh- what about opting out of Medicare? Because that's all people in my area rely on. What's your advice to them? I think ultimately I, I can only answer for, for myself. And what I had to realize was 
Am I really, really attempting to deliver care to all people, regardless of their status? Or am I just subscribing to a monetary system that values productivity over patient relationships? And every day, I get to make the decision that patient relationships are more important than relative value units and these billing schedules and Medicare pricing and whether or not I'm going to be reimbursed. And it's a huge paradigm shift. But the first conversation that I always get to have with new patients is no longer what kind of coverage do you have? Do you have insurance? The first conversation is how can I help you? And that's really why I got into medicine was to ask that question and and not have to be inhibited by government uh, entities saying like, oh, well, if this person has this type of coverage or insurance, then you can do this, that, or the other. I, I have complete freedom to treat people with the scope of my practice, using my expertise, and make decisions that are in their best interest and not have to worry about government entities telling me what I can and cannot do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I know you, you wear uh, your Healthcare Americana and Freedom Health Works t-shirt around a lot that says, you know, health insurance does not equal health care. And it just reinforces that. It's like, it's something we always like to, to mention on this show. What sure. was your experience when you were taking care of people during the middle of that civil unrest? Because I, I think it's an absolutely fascinating experience that I think people should learn about and should hear about. Sure. So I think something that's really interesting and romanticized in American physician worlds and the healthcare world is this idea of, of medical missions. And I can't tell you how many physicians have invited me to participate in overseas medical missions, right? Where, where oh, let's go to Guatemala or Jamaica or Africa. And there are these heavily romanticized adventures where you, you know, you fly in, you know, on a little airplane and you, and you deliver uh, healthcare to, to a, an indigenous people and you're not, you know, and, and, and they talk about it. Oh, it's, there's so much freedom. We just take care of people and we don't have to worry about billing and, and, you know, and writing notes that are specific to insurance companies. And we just take care of people. And, and what I tell people now is I say, I get to have that experience, right? I, 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 and, and I lived it, especially in Minneapolis this summer and fall when there were hundreds and hundreds of people, uh, I got to do direct medical missions. But instead of having to get on an airplane and travel overseas, I did it right in my own city. And I was taking care of my own neighbors, which was much, much more rewarding and I would say much more sustainable uh, from a philosophical standpoint. But essentially, the way it looked was, was probably very similar to what people Im imagine in medical missions, where even in the midst of July, there were these tent cities, large tent encampments where uh, hundreds and hundreds of people were living unsheltered, but just in tents. And so I would just go with a small medical bag and uh, the PPE that I had acquired and people, I, and I brought some, some folding chairs and people would just line up in folding chairs and I would just see them one by one. And in, in this, uh, if it was 
nice outside we we do it out in the open air and if it was uh if the weather was was inclement then we would go under a canopy but we just sit and talk one-on-one sometimes i would go tent to tent and i'd ask people about some of their needs and we would bandage up wounds and and i was seeing people with diabetes that didn't have access to the regular clinics so we could do uh glucose checks and and uh try to figure out how to manage their medications and and there's a lot of social work aspect to it but it was it was a very direct service in the sense where there is uh, so much medical need just uh in in the people there and i and i was able to just immediately respond and see them and take care of them i mean there's some uh some other services trying to come down and they're trying to sign people up for, for state funded healthcare. And I would, and I would talk to him. I say, you know, so you're down here and you're, you're signing people up for healthcare. How are you helping them now? Yeah. I say, well, you know, in the next few weeks or in the next few months, they're, they'll be qualified for, you know, for these healthcare. And I'd, and I'd say, yes, but so-and-so look over there. So-and-so has an open wound. Who's going to clean that wound and dress it? Um, and their answer is, well, they can just go to the emergency room. And I Jeez. said, that is not an answer. That Jeez. is that is absolutely ludicrous. Um, in fact, to the point where I even went to our, our, uh, our government center uh, for the county in, in Minneapolis and um, confronted some of the the leaders we have we have uh, county appointed homeless leaders and we have commissioners and I had a small group of people help me to advocate for for uh, medical services and the the answer that I kept receiving from from the government leaders is it's just too overwhelming it's just it's just too difficult for us to respond uh, to help these people to help these hundreds of people to which I replied I don't think it's overwhelming. I'm doing it. Um, mm-hmm. the, I, I know a lot of doctors that are furloughed right now that are literally sitting in their homes because it was July in the middle of COVID. And, and I said, why don't, why don't we figure out a way to put them to work? But it was just, there was too much red tape. And the majority of the red tape, honestly, were CMS regulations. It was Medicare. Is how are we going to do billing? What is our liability, et cetera, et cetera. And, and ultimately... It resulted in no other physicians coming down with me. I spent several months in the 10 encampments that migrated all over the city, all over the parks. And at zero, in, 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 there are zero instances in which another physician and I crossed paths uh, in those encampments. It just it was, it's too much uh, for people unless they opt out of, of Medicare, which is really sad. It's really sad that that, that that is such a draw for people that, and, and I've had doctors, they, they call me and they say, doc, I really, really want to come down with you. And I say, okay, are you, are you ready to, to opt out of Medicare? Are you, are you ready to take the plunge and uh, maybe even start up your own direct primary care practice? Oh, I'm just so afraid, they say. Mm-hmm. Just, it's just too much of a risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's their decision, but it was not mine. And, and I get to, to live every day, you know, living out my, my dream 
from from being a, a young, you know, uh, college student who said, "Yeah, I want to direct, I, I want to, I want to deliver direct care to to unsheltered homeless people," and now I get to do it, mm-hmm. uh, but my colleagues don't, and and so I'm hoping that eventually some of the red tape will will fall off. What to be honest, one of my one of the really exciting things that I'm doing right now is I'm experimenting uh, with delivering direct care in the shelter space. And I'm working with uh, nonprofits and donating some time just in their drop-in centers or in their, in their shelter space, uh, just to say, Hey, what does it look like if I just come and I spend an hour or two together with you in your space as you're trying to advocate for, for folks, uh, one, one particular is called Breaking Free, and it's a nonprofit organization that uh, delivers services to women who are uh, being who, who are involved in sex, sex trafficking. And and so just for a couple hours per week, I'll go down, and they'll they'll schedule appointments with me. And there and, and there are times in which the advocates and the case managers are there, and they say, "Doc, we've had this paperwork sitting." in this file for weeks and we cannot get this person uh, in front of a doctor for a signature to complete her file. Uh, We can't get her in front of a doctor because in order to get in front of the doctor, she needs uh, some sort of payment, some health insurance. But in order for her to get health insurance, she needs this paper signed. So it's a catch 22. We cannot move forward. Can you help us? And I say, sure. And, and we spend some time together, you know, with the client, with the patient, and I sign the paperwork and I write my note. And, and we've just immediately circumvented the entire red tape issue and, and, and given the, you know, this young woman hope where previously they were stuck. Yeah. And so people, that's what would people do without you in, in either that case or the homeless shelters? I mean, <laughs> These are these are people who've been marginalized by the system and the safety net that is in the headlines as as there to help them out, but it's totally excluded them from everything. There is a a very clear uh, paucity. There's there's a, a giant gaping gap of of primary care, especially to the unsheltered homeless to our entire community, I would argue, but especially those who have been marginalized, there's that, there's a huge gap of, of primary care. And, and that I would argue is why so many of these services are just treading water and they're not moving forward. And why we have such a, a, an enormous crisis, especially in homelessness. uh, When, when what we need to give people is access Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to 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 break the barriers and 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 make it easy for people to receive direct services from physicians specifically, not from nurses, not from from social workers. Right? They do good work, but at the end of the day, a social worker is not going to prescribe the antipsychotic that is needed to reduce the the symptoms of schizophrenia, so that somebody can become gainfully employed. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, folks are they can be caught in these in these cycles and in order for them to get out of the cycle, they need to see a physician. That's just, that's really the only, the only way for them to move forward. But 
because of, of all of the regulations, they just, they don't have access. So I, I'm really excited to be experimenting in the space to del- just deliver the care, to give people access, and then to watch the results, which are just fascinating. And they're so immediate. And it's, and it's very, very rewarding for me. Yeah, you mentioned the rewarding part of it. And I'm sure that people kind of look at you and say, wait a minute, you're, you're actually a doctor. You're able to come down here and, and talk to me and, and, and treat me. And I don't have to sign a state form and, and go into some crappy government bureaucrat run program to eventually be sent to the ER. This is, this is incredible. Right. The reactions from, from all folks, <laughs> it, whether it's from, from the patients themselves or from the the, the institutions that I'm in, you know, the case managers, the, the workers, they're flabbergasted, you know, because how can you be here? Yeah. We don't understand how you're doing this. This We've never seen anything like this before. And to be honest, I've looked all around. I've looked all around Minnesota and I can't find any direct services that are like this. And I don't know why. I don't know why. It's just, it's such a simple act well, I do know why, <laughs> which is the I think point. we know why. But just the, the conclusion is so simple, right? Just put a doctor in front of a patient, uh, but getting there, right? And that's what Freedom HealthWorks has done for me, right? Is, is just cutting out all the middle people and, and it's put me in front of patients where otherwise I, I couldn't figure out how to do it. I could not get myself in front of patients uh, legitimately and legally, but now I do. It's really a fascinating focus from, you know, you mentioned doing international mission work and it just goes to show that so many times people focus on what's outside of the U.S. and what's what's happening in foreign countries when they don't even look and see what's going on two miles down the street. And a lot of the conditions are are relatively similar from third world countries into rural areas and urban areas within our cities. I mean, a lot of that stuff, a lot of those people in need are right here in the United States, yet there's so many barriers and red tape to seeing them. It's actually easier to get on a charter plate and drop in the middle of Africa to see those patients there. I, oh, it, yes. It is. It's I, embarrassing. I'm laughing. It's not funny, but it's like, it's so frustrating, right? It is so frustrating. And it's embarrassing to be a part of a system that can deliver such poor care to our most vulnerable people, knowing what resources we have. I mean, we have more than enough resources to deliver care to these people. It's just the systems in place to deliver the resources are very, very broken. And they're not focused on access. They're focused on productivity. And for that reason, the marginalized will continue to be marginalized. Yeah, it's a numbers game. We're treating people like they're widgets in some assembly line. Wanted to talk to you, you talked about getting in front of patients. And so, you know, for anybody listening out there who says, well, the work that Dr. Ingram, you know, that's admirable, but he's starting up his practice. How do you keep your practice afloat? Where does the money come from if you're just providing pro bono care to everybody? Sure. So at the, at the same time that I'm uh, doing this free care, I'm also seeing patients in my private practice. I have paying patients, clients that are, are subscribed to my services. And I would say the pro bono care that I'm doing is experimental in, in the pro bono world for a time. But my hope is that 
very, very soon, the experiment will move into a paid model in which nonprofit organizations and, and even right now, there, I have discussions with several nonprofit organizations that uh, would like to develop regular sessions with a physician. We'd like to, to incorporate a paid membership of some sort so that they can hire me for either times or for, for uh, specific clients, right, to give them memberships to my service. And the exact details... Uh, I I've, have not worked them out yet because this has never been done. Uh, but, but we're getting closer. And my hope is that in 2021, that several nonprofits in the Twin Cities metro region will go into contract with my company to hire me to do direct services to people in our city. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm very hopeful that nonprofits in this region will pick up Deploy Health and say, we'd like to buy your services and then, and then pay for them, uh, realizing that the, that the services and the cost savings are, are, are so much that they can deliver higher quality services to their clients and not have to worry about all the red tape of billing and, and, and working with, with CMS and with Medicare. So uh, it is very likely that while it is free now, my, my, my work is free now, that it will be paid in uh, 2021 and at a, at a reasonable market price that will um, more than support my family. And my hope is that I can flip a lot of nonprofit organizations and grow in the nonprofit space because the need is clear there is high demand and the direct primary care services are far superior to anything that I've ever seen the government run. And as soon as nonprofit organizations realize that and their donors and sponsors realize that it's the, the game will change significantly and direct primary care, I believe will be the leader in the nonprofit space for healthcare delivered to people in our community. Very powerful. Uh, very powerful. I appreciate you kind of looking at your crystal ball there. And, you know, I just want to emphasize that a lot of the work that you were doing has really made you an icon within your local community. Like people understand what you're doing and who you are now. Did you have any type of interactions like that, just being so integral to your local community and your local neighborhoods when you were practicing for a hospital system before? <laughs> Loaded question. No, right? <laughs> no, no. I I never received phone calls from people in the community saying, "Doc, how can I help?" Right. I regularly have people cold call uh, my clinic line and say, "Doc, I saw you on Facebook or on the social media thing, and and I just can't believe what you're doing." Uh, I'm a fill in the blank. You know. A radiology technician. I'm a such and such, you know, medical worker. How, how do I, how do I come on board? How can I help? Uh, I just want to serve. This seems like a, like a great, uh, you know, a great cause and, 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 and a deliverable service. Nobody ever, nobody ever called me <laughs> when I was in my last job. <laughs> you didn't say like, those, hey, huh? I, I never got those phone calls. Um, <laughs> 
but yeah, I mean, even next week, I've got another nonprofit uh, meeting for a, a direct services that are, they are literally uh, on the exact street. I mean, on, in the same square uh, foot space where George Floyd was killed. And so, um, I mean, th- these are huge, huge, uh, you know, uh, organizations and, and, and the, the, the place, the geographic space is so prominent in our nation. And so, yeah, I, I, I am blessed and I'm humbled to be invited into those spaces. Um, but part of it I know is that there's nobody else who can be in those spaces and nobody else that is really willing to take the risk to be there. But hopefully, hopefully I will have folks join me in this next season and other people will be uh, casting off the Medicare uh, chains, right? There's, there's used to it, right? There's lots of people that can benefit from Medicare, but to me in the primary care, primary care sector, you've got to leave them behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Leave them behind. And then look at, look at all the greener pastures that it opens up, you know, leaving, leaving Medicare, leaving, kind of the red tape of, of the, the, the system, the hospital system. I think you mentioned the word freedom before. And, and I, love when, I love when I get to talk to doctors and they use that word, obviously. Um, there's a reason why we named our business this, but it goes to show just the ability of one physician to do an amazing level, an amazing work, an amazing amount of good within their community. All they have to do is just get rid of all the BS that is holding them back. Yes, <laughs> you got to jump off somewhere and there's definitely risk involved and Medicare does not make it easy, mm-hmm. but it's worth it. Dr. Ingham, thank you so much for joining us, sharing your story. Uh, I hope a lot of people out there find inspiration in, in what you were able to do and what you're doing and then where you want to take your practice. I know you inspire us and you inspire our team to continue to provide great services for physicians. So I appreciate that about you too. Hopefully you have a wonderful rest of uh, this holiday weekend here. People will be listening at all times of the year, but you know, just know that this was our Thanksgiving special. So wanted to say thank you for <laughs> everything you're doing. And, and we're very thankful to be working with physicians like yourself. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me. To learn more about direct care, visit freedomhealthworks.com. Check out all of our episodes on Healthcare Americana. Visit healthcareamericana.com. And if you need a gift for that special someone, check out the shop that we just put up on healthcareamericana.com. Some fun little t-shirt, some swag items for anybody on your Christmas list there. Thanks for listening. I'm Christopher Habig. Until next time. Whether you're a patient, employer, or physician, the Free Market Medical Association can facilitate and assist you in your free market healthcare journey. The foundation of our association is built upon three pillars, price, value, and equality, with complete transparency in everything we do. Our goal is simple, match willing buyers with willing sellers of valuable healthcare services. Join us and help accelerate the growth of the free market healthcare revolution. For more information on the Free Market Medical Association, visit fmma.org. New Era Health Plans brings a unique solution to health insurance. We offer private insurance that allows you the freedom of choice of any doctor, any hospital, anywhere. New Era offers modern, flexible health insurance, life and supplemental, Medicare and education resources. We are a national agency licensed in most states. 
New Era emphasizes educating our clients and helping people make smarter decisions that deliver value and peace of mind. Our plans allow our customers to save 25 to 50% each month while providing transparent health benefits at a price that actually makes sense. New Era Health Plans is committed to providing the best service to self-employed business people, individuals, and families. We are an endorsed vendor of the Free Market Medical Association and believe in the power of free market medicine. For more information, visit NewEraHealthPlans.com. New Era Health Plans, modern, flexible health insurance plans. New Era Health Plans, Inc. is an independent field marketing organization representing Philadelphia American Life Insurance Company. Health insurance premiums are rising faster than actual medical costs, and employers everywhere are struggling to keep their heads above water and take care of their amazing team. Most people will never meet their deductible in a given year, so shouldn't there be an alternative to health insurance for people who don't really need it? At Custom Benefit Solutions, we build better benefit solutions by pairing local, direct primary care options with affordable medical cost sharing plans. This creates affordable options for America's small businesses. These companies are able to save money and provide an actual primary care doctor that'll take care of your employees and their families. Employees enjoy getting the care they deserve without struggling with confusing co-pays or deductibles. Want to learn more? Go to custombenefits.org and talk to a team member today. Custom Benefits Solutions. We solve for care. Healthcare can be complex. If you're managing a chronic or life-threatening illness, Patients Rising is here for you. We built the Patients Rising Concierge to help you navigate stressful health decisions and get the support you deserve. You will find personalized support by calling, emailing, or visiting our website. Our team is standing by to help with your unique situation. Find the help you need today at PatientsRisingConcierge.org. There comes a time when the man of the house must take charge. Family planning is a tough conversation for many. And at Happy Dad Vasectomy, we understand that decision isn't easy. When your family is complete, our no-needle, no-scalpel, no-stitches procedure will give you peace of mind about your family's future. Happy Dad Vasectomy conveniently books appointments within two weeks of calling and has locations in central and northern Indiana. Visit happydadvasectomy.com to learn more. Happy Dad Vasectomy, the easiest part of family planning. Hi again, everyone. This is Chris. At Healthcare Americana, we're always on the lookout for great stories to tell in the healthcare industry. And we'd like to hear yours. Check out healthcareamericana.com and send us your ideas for episodes or if you'd like to be a guest. Thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoy it.